गुड आफ्टरनून सो वेलकम टू द शो टुडे आई हैव देवांग तोष्णीवाल ही इज अ कोलकाता गाय नाउ सेटल्ड इन वॉरबर्ग पिंकस इन सिंगापुर so there is a lot of black box surrounding how a chartered accountant can really enter the storied world of management consulting and then private equity you will generally be told that you know unless you are an mba from a the holy trinity i m a b c you cannot enter into management consulting or in private equity or let's say in management consulting you are a ca with a ranker so a couple of positions come up now and then but broadly this remains an area with a lot of enigma surrounding it so today i thought i'll have devang demystify this and uh, he's in the midst of a deal so it's been like i have taken specifically 22 minutes from him from his calendar so uh, so welcome to the show devang uh, it's been a pleasure having thank you. you thank you so much uh, thanks anurag i think um, i have heard about you a lot and as i had mentioned previously great initiative so first of all would like to take a moment and say kudos to that um we can make 22 minutes 25 minutes as well <laughs> i am not that i'm not that stuff with i'm not on a saturday afternoon at least um thank you for your kind words uh, i think um, it's true there is there is a black hole in terms of understanding or black box in terms of understanding the process around getting into consulting as well as private equity for chartered accountants especially young aspirants and would be happy to answer the questions that you have on that as well all right so uh, so as you grew up in the city of kolkata bharti vidya bhavan so tell us one instance in your childhood that really transformed you probably something a story an incident uh, this is one question that i always ask people yeah i should have i should have seen a couple of interviews that you have taken <laughs> no um, i i think okay so identifying one specific situation is tough um, uh, there are many things which come to mind but but there were few instances um, that happened long back and and you tend to forget so i'll pick up something which happened in the last two years in my in, in my school um from childhood right from the very beginning i was a uh, I, i was someone who who had made his mind to take up science as a stream and not many people know about it uh, and i also started pursuing science and i went to kota but just because i felt homesick i came back and i took up commerce and i think that was one of the biggest decisions that i took with the least amount of thought i would say uh, but yeah i think that happened it, it it was a tender age i guess and uh, since then the school life that i had um it it was one of those turning points in the life where you realize a lot of things about yourself and you you realize how to think about it how to how does that impact your life only later and in hindsight i can say that uh, it, it was a it was a poorly thought decision but it was not the worst decision uh, that that I, that i could have made and i think that was one of those it, it would be one of those things which had the largest impact i started becoming a bit insecure and underconfident when i came back to kolkata uh, from kota and right in the first six months i just found my place to settle in uh sink back in in the commerce stream and then i was made the head boy of the school and there was so much additional responsibility it was a, it, it was um not like a big thing that there was no election sort of thing it, it is something which all the teachers principals uh decide uh, uh, together but i think once that responsibility started coming in and once there was more interaction communication 
things started getting back in place. Uh, that I think that process was one of those impactful processes in my life in my childhood uh, school days. I would say. Oh, I can completely relate to that, Devang, because uh, once I became a CA, I had got a job in ITC. I went to Gurgaon and uh, homesickness just drew me back to Kolkata. I came back at half of the salary. I mean, yeah, homesickness is something which uh, beats all rationality. And when you come yeah. back, you kind of regret uh, that, hey, I made a wrong decision probably. And then it takes time for you to rediscover your mojo. But I think all this uh, just happens. You should just That's flow true. with the time. So my next question that you went into Xavier's and then from there into PwC articleship. A big four articleship means a lot for people. So with big four articleship, what is the tangible difference it creates? One from a CA final preparation standpoint, I mean, clearing quickly CA final, does that become an obstruction? And then the second part, placements both post CA. So does that big four ka chap help you in some way? Um, so, okay, let me take these two questions separately, uh, actually, Rod. On the first point, which is whether it creates a barrier in getting through your examinations at the first go, um, I think no, it does not. Just think about it. You join your articleship two and a half years before you are about to give your exam. And for most of the folks that I know, I can vouch for the fact that the first one and a half to two years do not go into studying as much. It's only the last six to six months to one year, which uh, typically goes into preparing oneself for the examination. So I wouldn't say uh, a big four articleship really puts you on, on a back foot in terms of that. It is true that whenever you join a big four, it is important for you to protect your timings towards the end of your articleship and make sure that you get a good five to six months window uh, before the exam. And I think most of the companies, including mine, which is Pricewaterhouse, uh, was very professional in this regard and I, I remember I got a leave right in the first week of January uh, we had a last I had my last offsite in PwC when we went to Darjeeling in the month of December once we came back from the offsite I never went back to office <laughs> until after giving my exams um, so I got a good good four to five month window towards the end which which made it smooth uh, so to say on the other part of the question which you had asked which is whether it helps in getting a better job or better placement. Um, so there are two parts to it. Number one, I don't think an articleship with a Noda or Singhi would enable you to learn any less as compared to an articleship with PwC as long as you are dedicated, disciplined and uh, you, you go forward with that. You, you go forward in doing your articleship with the utmost sincerity. Uh, I think it does, not, it does not mean your learning is different in most organizations. What is essentially different is the perception and it is something that we face, all of us face in different aspects as well. So as a recruiter, even you or I would now uh, have a perception that a Noda or Singhi would be better than a tier 3 um, uh, CA firm. Similarly, a PwC or Deloitte would be better than a Noda or Singhi CA firm. More so when you start crossing the state boundaries. So Loda or Singhi would be an East India focused CA firm, whereas PwC would be a national uh, level or global MNC, so to say. So I think the perception, the recognition and familiarity with the brand of where you are running your articleship does play a role. And I think that is instrumental in getting better placements or more opportunities at least. Yeah, fair point. I think uh, it's all about perception. It becomes far more easier. So for example, if you are from Xavier's, it becomes uh, far easier for... 
as an interviewer yeah. interviews also from javiers you feel okay yeah, he's crossed some barriers and uh, one thing which i really feel jealous about uh, the big four article ship is that in the third year you get like this good 5 6 months of leave plus you get that stipend uh, which is like a handsome yeah. sum of money he keeps getting credited uh, yes. without yes. fail i think i think i think that's true um, it might not sound like a lot of money to folks who have uh, gone in their corporate in the corporate world have started earning salary but i clearly remember at that point in time the place we were in uh, after receiving a pocket money of 500000 bucks a month you end up in a uh, in a role which starts offering you 9000 rupees per month as a starting stipend and which keeps on increasing uh, i don't third know what the price now for you how much uh, was the third year stipend i i think it was 20000 to 25000 rupees per month My somewhere around that that's a lot of money uh, so yeah i think at that point in time it, it really felt like a kicker uh, it, it had a extra motivational boost <laughs> for us absolutely so now in terms of your first major career transition your transition into the storied world of management consulting so how did your entry into bcg happen so bcg typically does it take only rank holders uh, did you have a rank uh, or did you manage without a rank what is the typical entry process so there is no structured process they don't come to ici campus they don't really offer uh, mandates to like a job portal like a ca job portal is it like completely network driven how does this entire thing happen what are the kind of interviews do they give cases etc just take a very entire thing I, yeah. I i think i had a lot of these questions when i started uh, figuring out my way after clearing finals i got a rank uh, i had an all india rank of 21 in the ca final so then i realized how the process works and it's something like this bcg does not come to the campus it does not hire any specific headhunter or recruiter or any other job portal for that matter uh, what it does is it essentially has started a ca recruitment program which is an organized structured program and it is run twice every year uh, after the results of ca final are announced and the cas who are part of bcg who are working right now would form a network and try and gather all the rank holders in a single whatsapp Uh, that is the step one, and I got into a WhatsApp group in the same way and logic. Uh, all of us send our resumes and uh, CVs to to the HR over there, and they do a recruitment. They do a shortlisting process to reduce it to a list of 30 to 40 candidates whom they would want to interview. Uh, there is a one to two day interview process which runs uh, with those 40 candidates, and they hire as many people as they feel would fit well into the form. Uh, they don't usually have a limit of two, three, five, six, seven. Uh, i have seen cycles where they have hired like seven eight people i have seen cycles like mine where they had only three people um, so i think it's it's more to do with um, how how the interviews go and how how they happen at that point in time now i think the black box surrounding this is twofold number one if you don't have a rank can you still get into bc um, so i think bcg has clarified this enough number of times in the subsequent years after i got in as well which is if you get a rank in any of the two levels which is inter or final then you should be sharing your cv with us without any hesitation oh yeah we uh, interviewed sakshi she was all india one in inter she didn't get a rank in final so exactly got- exactly right right so i think the policy is clear on that regard because we also realized that getting a rank is something which is a mixture of lot of many things of which intelligence or capability is just one fraction uh and it does not mean that those who don't do not have that intelligence or capability 
by any standard means or scale, right? Uh, why do we use the criteria of rank then? It's a fair question. I don't think it's a it's a ideal criteria. I don't think it's the just criteria. The best way would be to meet every candidate that is out there. But unfortunately, the constraints of time and logistics will just not allow for that. And there has to be some metric, something which is objective and uniform and that can be used. Uh, so I think that is one. Second, in case I don't have a rank in either inter or final, and I still want to do consulting, then how do you get into something like a BCG or McKinsey or AT Kearney for that matter. I think there are a couple of ways to go about it. And I've seen a lot of folks who have been able to do that as well. Uh, these are not the only consulting companies in India, just by the way. There are, there are consulting companies which are focused uh, specifically on sectors as well, specifically on verticals as well. There's a procurement consulting company. Um, there is a education consulting company. Parthenon. Uh, by Parthenon. Parthenon is there. LEK is there. AT Kearney is there. Uh, there. There are a lot of information consulting companies like ZS, ZS Associates, etc. So I think there is a whole host of universe of consulting companies out there. And sometimes a good way, if you can't get into an entry role at a BCG or McKinsey, a good way to go about that is you build your profile <coughs> to become a good lateral hire for a firm like a BCG or McKinsey. And you can do that by spending time on the work that you want to do rather than focusing on the brand that you want to work for at times. So I think that's that's how the process runs at BCD. Uh, what do we look at CVs while shortlisting, which is another uh, one of the very common questions. I, I think um, it's not a it's not a binary process um, that if you got a rank below 30, you will be a no. If you got a rank above 20, it will be a definite yes. 20 to 30, it will be a maybe. Let's see. No, it, it's not like that. I think every CV is reviewed holistically. Uh, every CV is reviewed in isolation and not as a comparative or as a um, not as peer benchmarking. Uh, I think it's reviewed to just see whether this is someone that the recruiter would feel comfortable in working with. Um, and I think that's that's a that's a human lens that we have. There is no software which runs down the number from 132 to 40. Uh, but yeah, I think they look for academic performance. They look for consistency in performance throughout your life throughout your academic and professional journey. Uh, they look for places you have worked with and things that you have worked on. They look for if there is any X factor, if there are any extracurricular or out of the box things that you have done uh, in, in your journey so far. And it just all goes into the CV to find out who would be the 40 folks. Yeah, I think no company can give a specific equation like it is X, Y, Z. That cannot really happen. That's true. That's true, it can't. And I am glad it cannot because I think then we would all be filled up with robots and <laughs> not not humans to get this. Yeah, I think I'm glad uh, we are not robots. Uh, then life would be very difficult. So then what's your typical day in a BCG? What do you do there? You're always living out of a suitcase, airports. Uh, I think that's, yeah, I think those, that is one of the perks of uh, being in a consulting company. I remember I had a case in Kolkata and uh, there were so many all-nighters on that particular case that we ended up, I ended up staying in the hotel, even though I had a home in, I have a home in Kolkata. So I think those are some of the perks which come with some of the all-nighters as well. Um, so BCG as a consulting company has just one business vertical, which is management consulting, which is to help companies and management teams solve problems that they find challenging and we can help. So for example, this could, for example, this could range from, this could range from something like a turnaround project where you would be working with cross-functional teams across the organization to turn the turn the 
uh, business around. It could be going to a new market. For instance, you want to launch a product into the United States market and you want a go-to-market strategy and implementation uh, to happen. It could be a post-production program. Um, there might be some non-core cost items which have ballooned in your P&L and you want a way to structure them. Uh, it could be digital implementation. A lot of banks back to three to four years back were uh, going on digital in terms of net banking, launching products, giving 60 second loans, etc. I think those kind of transformation journeys, uh, which involve new age technologies is something that, that we were de uh, deeply involved with. Um, it could involve acquisition strategies, mergers and acquisitions, and you are a part of the m and team at Aditya Villa yourself. So there are a lot of diligences which are required uh, in any transaction, right? BCG could help you with the strategic or commercial diligence with one of those assets. So a whole host of problems. To, to boil it down to a single statement, anything that you, that you find challenging for your team to do alone, we can come and help you. Uh, we can come and not just help you in strategizing, but even in implementing uh, the project as well. I think that's, wow. that's sounds very exciting, yeah. But on, on a daily basis, I know it becomes very difficult to come out with uh, something out of nothing. These uh, solutions. Yeah, I, true, true. I think uh, it's it's not always so. As a part of consult, when I enter into consulting, one of the very common questions that even I had and many people ask is: There is someone who is doing their business for forty years, and you have come two years back or three years back, and you are talking about giving advice to someone who has been doing that for 40 years, like it does not make any intuitive sense. Uh, what's what's wrong? What's missing? And often I've realized that it's not just uh, the number of years. I think there are a couple of things. Number one, um, fresh knowledge can always bring new insights. Number two, we have a global team and we have partners who have spent like 40 years in procurement. So there might be someone who has, who has spent 40 years in Aditya Villa group as the CFO, but someone who has spent 40 years in procurement across 50 companies such as Aditya Billa Group. There is a lot of learnings that Aditya Billa Group can leverage from, from that partner uh, that, BCG, that BCG would have. Uh, third thing, I think it's often uh, whenever there is an organization level change and it's not a particular department level change or a particular section level change, uh, it's often helpful when things or messages or insights come from an independent third party view. It dissolves a lot of the inter company politics or intra-company politics that, that that would happen and make things slow and bureaucratic and you know subject the whole process to red tapeism. So I think it's not just uh, innovative solutions that BCG comes up with. I think we come come with a lot of great process, um, a lot of experience from other companies that we have worked with and that is what makes the partnership between consultants and management teams work. It's never consultants helping management teams. It's, it's rather them working together. Uh, that has that always has the best solution. So yeah, I think uh, yeah. It, it's something that I did not appreciate when I joined, and eventually, with a couple of months of experience, things started sinking in. Now, uh, after like one point two five years in management consulting, the came the more miraculous uh, career transition of yours into private equity. And private equity is even better than investment banking because there is equal quantum of money, better work-life balance, which I reckon by my conversation with people. So you moved into Warburg as a CA without an MBA. Again, see, CA with uh, an MBA nowadays becomes a quite a common uh, vehicle for entry. But a CA without an MBA, how did you enter? Were there entry barriers, interview processes, cases? You had case study rounds. What exactly was that? Take us through that. 
sure. I, I think just a couple of pointers out there. Uh, I I don't. So three things. Number one, I think private equity, investment banking, as well as consulting, both the three are extremely prestigious and coveted jobs. And I think whether a person stays there or not is highly dependent upon the willingness of the person in terms of whether he enjoys doing the role that he has. Um, th there are many consultants who have hated private equity jobs. And there are many bankers who have hated private equity jobs. And similarly, there are many private equity investors who would hate a consultant's job or a investment banker's job. So I think uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't see it as a ladder uh, where A is better more than B and B is more than C. Uh, I think it, it didn't work out that way uh, with a lot of people whom I know and whom I interact with. In terms of process, I think private equity as a industry has evolved over the last six to seven years in India. Um, and I think in part because of increasing investments in the country and in part also because the firm started experimenting with their organization structure to figure out what is the best way to, you know, to have a lean dynamic team. So one typical thing about private equity organizations, as you would know, they are, they are lean organizations in terms of manpower. Uh, they might be having an AUM of $5 billion, but they might end up having only 15 or 20 people on, on, on their workforce, right? Um, and that is what makes the economics of getting into uh, a private equity firm a bit challenging uh, because there would always be 100 consultants who would get hired in a typical year and there would be maybe 20 or 25 private equity positions that would open up. And of those 160 might be willing to do. Um, so coming back to my process, I think Warburg Pinkles, um, along with many other uh, private equity funds uh, at that point in time had started running pre-MB associate programs. Uh, as I had mentioned, there is a good chance that someone who go gets into private equity starts realizing that private equity is not what he wants, he or she wants to do. Um, and that is why all, all private equity firms now, or at least most of the private equity firms now, have a structured pre-MBA program where candidates join from various fields, uh, primarily consulting and investment banking. And they spend two years with the firm as a pre-MBA associate. After the end of two years, the firm would encourage um, the candidates to go and get their MBA and then decide whether they want to come back to the firm or they want to go back to a different investing firm or they want to do consulting or something else in their life altogether. Uh, I got placed with Warburg Pinkers as a pre-MBA associate, which was a two-year role when I joined. And this was in March 2018. Um, the process is quite simple for these guys. I think all of the private equity firms who have a pre-MBA role try to typically do a reach out to consultants and bankers uh, who are in their first, second and third year uh, in the respective organizations and they try to organize a large meeting with them. In these, in these meetings, they would typically try to explain what private equity is as an industry, what the job requires, what would their two years look like, who have been the folks who have spent two years in the past and where are they right now, just to educate uh, you know, consultants. Why is it important? I think it's it's very important to understand here is as a consultant, I never wanted to move anywhere other than BCG. I was really enjoying my time at BCG. I started becoming comfortable in the skin of a consultant. Uh, I wasn't even proactively looking forward to a switch uh, in, in the uh, in my industry choice. And 1.25 years is very short. 
then someone asked me today i recommend them spend at least two years in consulting it is one of those decisions which was one of the toughest decision i had to make back uh, back then and I, i was still not sure whether it's the right thing to switch at such an early um, stage in consulting career and that is why it is important for private equity firms to educate uh, potential candidates quite enormously as to what they are getting into so that they can make a much more informed better choice when they move from already a great place like bcg or mckinsey or you know i banking organization into a, a private equity organization now the question here though anurag which arises is what happens if i am not in a consulting organization what happens if i am not in an investment banking organization and i think it again ties back to the same point which we discussed on consulting as well there are alternative ways that one should figure out it might be difficult to get into a pre mba associate role unless you are in consulting or i banking or some other investing organization let's say if i am in a completely different role let's say i am working in the with the cfo of tata steel uh, as your experience was right um and i have modeling experience and i feel that i am comfortable you know doing financial modeling and i can make investing decisions and i can learn if, if not make them yet and i i should get a chance in private equity and that that is something which is very fair as well i, I think those skill set is something which would fit in well um, in a pmb associate role at a private equity firm but the chances get really really um thin unless it's a unless it's a channel of consulting or investment banking just because of the design of the structure again and in those situations i would just recommend that it's not necessarily necessarily important to get into a private equity investing at the very beginning there are other investing themes or investing firms that that you can start with uh, you can start with equity research organizations because that starts becoming a good pool uh, you can start becoming a part of these organizations because because these organizations will let you interact with private equity folks on the other end um, i i have quite a few examples in my friend circle and in my family folks who were at credit suisse um, folks who were at clsa uh, doing equity research folks in icic securities folks in jeffries all these are big equity research houses where one could get into with the with, without the consulting or investment banking experience and that can be a good stepping stone to get into a private equity experience and all the folks that i spoke about in those four equity research organizations are right now with the likes of cng invest or morgan stanley private equity and so on and so forth um fantastic so i i think um don't stop if you if you really feel that private equity is your calling or it's something that you want to at least try and explore uh, don't stop just because you don't have the resume with someone who is in there has uh, just try to work your way around because there are certain ways around just try to work your way around it might take a year or two more it might take a bit more effort but it it, it might help you uh, land the job that you that you want in that space. yeah and i think networking will also play a very important role here you need to stay connected so for example i get connected with you and say hey devang i am on the lookout for something if there is something in the next one year please let me know and maybe there is an opportunity which suddenly comes up you have a vacancy you have to fill it and you'll say hey anurag are you willing Definitely. something of that Definitely. sort can happen probably right okay yes 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 i think um, equity research organizations the typical benefit is you get to network and interact a lot you get to present your yeah. research reports to investors across the country and sometimes across the globe and I, i think that puts you in a position where you can actually showcase your talent and your grit in in 
forming a good investment opinion yeah i can completely vouch for that last week we had like a avp of research at icici securities bupender tiwari and you know the yeah. kind of networking you have uh, it is a classic case for a p uh to actually look at such profile now coming to p now a lot of people are confused uh, between private equity and investment banking see for the uninitiated uh it is like where is the more money uh, which is more uh suitable from a work life balance perspective and what exactly is the difference in work hours compensation etc and are the rules of the game different in investment banking and private equity so who is more happy probably i i i think the answer would be <laughs> i think it's a it's a very tricky question uh, i honestly think the basis for understanding the difference um should not be work hours or pay or um i think the first basis should be what exactly do do these folks do like what do they do and i think that's where the crux of the understanding lies uh, so consulting as you rightly mentioned we help management solve problems right that's a simple way to put it uh what do private equity investors do private equity investors simply find opportunities where they can put money in and they can make good returns what does good mean good means anything which would be which would be better than the rates that you would make on a debt instrument right or anything that it it, it would rather mean anything that you would naturally make on a mutual fund debt. but like 25 right. 30% irr is what uh, and pe generally people is. yeah people people in india because of the currency depreciation and other issues as well aim typically north of 20% returns and in general across the globe uh, the metric would be if you perform better than the mutual funds or the general s&p market indices then you would be a good investor and the better you perform the more further on the spectrum you go right so that is what private equity folks do they simply uh, find opportunities that they can invest in and make good money uh, what do investment bankers do and i think this is where uh, it's important to understand that investment bankers don't put in money they rather help companies on the other hand uh, raise money or they would help investors find companies to invest in uh, so they typically act as the as the middlemen who help the investor marry a portfolio company so to say and that is where their role comes in uh, in terms of work life i i don't think um, all all the three jobs are intense without a doubt i think consulting jobs work on a deal by deal basis so there are tough cases there are cases which are which involve variable pay uh, where there is there are a lot of all nighters in investment banking it is deal by deal basis again uh, where whenever there is a mandate and when i say mandate i mean whenever there is a company which is engaged with a banker to find uh, prospective investors or to raise a certain number of million of dollars right in those cases it's all nighters for them um and for private equity investors whenever there is a live deal opportunity that you are working on you are trying to figure out whether it's a right bet or not whether you are trying to figure out whether the diligence findings make sense or not and those are the times which you have to pull all nighters so there are all nighters in all the three jobs uh, in my experience i think and i don't have a lot of experience actually to say whether 1.25 years of consulting is better than 2 2 and a half years of investing right uh, but in in my experience i think as long as you feel that you are fitting in you will enjoy and those all nighters won't bother you as much 
but the moment you start feeling that it, it's not really the calling, that's when it starts bothering and starts becoming like weekend to be calm and so on and so forth. Not to say that I don't hate Mondays. There are Mondays which I hate as well. Uh, there are there are shitty parts in a, in the job that I do as well. But I think that comes up that comes with every job. So the idea is not to figure out uh, how how bad hours would be. I think there would be all nighters everywhere. It's to just figure out where you can spend all nighters and feel comfortable with the pay that you get at the end of the at the end of the month. Yeah, brings right? me to the good question. What is the kind of pay people get in private equity? Is it like uh, variable, fixed? Uh, and deal based so investor banking i know for a fact that it is also linked to the kind of money that you earn on the deals executed during the year so that's in, right. in right. private equities also is it like on exits when you make a lot of money does the team get a lot of money is it uh, i think yeah i i think uh, that's a very good question Anurag. i think um, there's not a lot of visibility when, when i was entering the industry on the pay structure at least not on the pay structure of the entire firm so to say. So typically all private equity funds have um, limited partners who contribute money to a corpus, uh, which becomes the fund out of which private equity investors invest in. And there is always a fee-based arrangement with limited partners where there is a certain fee on the committed capital which the this work of Pincus earns. And beyond that, there is performance fees associated with performance of the fund uh, that we invest from. Right? In terms of rewarding its employees, private equity companies have a nature and a tendency to generally let everyone participate in the profits that everyone is helping create. So the bonus elements in all private equity organizations would be quite big as compared to uh, as compared to a, invest, a consulting company let's say. So when I was a consultant, my pay would have 20% to 25% of my total pay would be coming from the variable charge. Uh, when I talk about private equity, the number jumps up to 40% or maybe as high as 50% in some cases. And I think that's one of the key differences where your fortunes start getting tied more and more to the firm performance as such, uh, which which is often a good thing. And people often get to experience it as they grow within a certain organization. In private equity firms, I think that starts quite earlier as compared to some of the other companies. Does that uh, cause stress? That it does not cause. Really it does not. Yeah. So I think one thing to remember in private equity is uh, your decisions live with you. And you have to live with your decisions rather, right? Uh, in management, let's say you have had a bad case. The case didn't work out. For some reason, your hypothesis didn't, didn't turn out to be as you had thought. And uh, you move on to the next case, right? Uh, it, does, it does not help if there are a lot of bad cases back to back, of course. But you still move on. In investing, let's say you make a bad investment, right? Now, investments can go bad because of many reasons. Maybe you were you, you made a good decision, but markets turned bad or the company had a specific issue which could have foreseen at the time of investment. But no matter what happens, that investment and that decision stays with you. And that is that is one thing to understand and it does not increase stress particularly, but it does increase the accountability. Now, for some accountability may ultimately turn into stress as well. Uh, difficult for difficult for me to say. Uh, I, I think it's difficult to even generalize uh, that statement. But yeah, I, I think accountability increases and that makes you more on your toes. And yeah, I agree because last week, like I had Bhupinder, he was also he's like a sell side research analyst at ICICI. So he gives advice. 
but he is saying yes. that the mutual fund guy who actually puts in his money on the basis of this advice he's got a far greater skin in the game and if the exactly. stock does not perform well for him it's just like okay a target price went amiss but in the process the buy side has actually lost a million dollars maybe so that's true and that's the that's the exact reason anurag why the uh, why you will see that because of difference in accountability because of differences in the intensity of of the decisions that you make uh, the pay scale is also different uh, and and that is something that everyone keeps in mind when and that is also the reason why why many people would not prefer to have a job in private equity as well um so you rightly you rightly mentioned from your conversation with mukinder that it's it's something that uh, there is more skin in the game for an investor That's yeah true. and now the kind of startups they are falling like dominoes uh, so there'll be so much money which is going to get lost and i think private equity will be still insulated because you enter into a startup at a far more mature stage like a series yes. b series i yeah i i agree that i think uh, there there is a difference between vc investors who would put in early stage companies or series a and series b investments whereas private equity firms do typically enter at a growth stage when the unit models are typically proven out however uh, having said that i think the lines are getting more and more blurred between these two investments uh, there are good tech investments or bets that even private equity firms take in series a or series b as well uh, in my experience in wobug i have set up platforms which are like startups uh, and and we were the we were the first investors in the company so to say so i think the lines are getting blurred but i still feel that um, in all times of crisis there lies an opportunity and private equity investors in india have seen cycles play out many times now wobug has been an investor in the country in 1990s and uh, it has it has seen the cycles play out enough number of times to be mature enough uh, to not not have major reactions to the current situation i think it's the time to partner with the entrepreneurs partner with the businessmen uh, that you have backed and just give them the comfort and support that okay i'm i'm not a lender i'm not a market investor i am a private equity investor and i can stand behind you and as long as this business the unit economics still hold good uh we, we can even support you further and that is the kind of confidence that private equity investors uh, should should now be giving and entrepreneurs should now be uh, willing to have more investors more private equity investors in the, in their um capital as well yeah and as we spoke uh, i was just looking at your website of wobug thinkers 83 billion dollars over the past 50 years that have been invested 83 billion dollars 895 companies and 40 countries you need to be okay. really having like a huge foresight and maturity to stay with the entrepreneur through all cycles i mean you really can't be that short termism uh, kabuli wala you know who wants the interest or will extract yes. a pound of flesh that's that's very true and i think that is what differentiates wobok pinkers and and a few other private equity firms as well uh, and that is why i have seen entrepreneurs who who really work well with us uh, because of this partnership approach itself and does your work today also involve lot of financial modeling yes i think um, think about it as this, as this way for all the work that you do the tangible output is the financial model that you create financial model is not a process in itself it is rather it is rather something like a blast furnace which takes inputs from a lot many things that you do to understand whether this is a good bet or not and the financial model is just a, a culmination of all those things for instance if 
realize that okay the land that you're buying has some issue with the soil and there needs to be more soil filling that needs to be done i'm taking a random example you will you will incorporate the impact of that in your model okay this is an additional cost that i have to make or you do a research and you realize that the market size is only so much so big in this particular area then you will do a calculation in your model to make sure that the revenue numbers that you have don't exceed the market size <laughs> or rather are is, is a percentage of that right so i think financial model will continue to remain the um, remain at blast furnace concept for an investor at any at any level uh, that you will speak to yeah whatever absolutely. we do is a goes into goes a into. lot of sensitivities uh, the data tables to talk about uh, those oh yes i think in in the uncertain world that we live uh, we live in i think it's difficult for anyone to make a uh, prediction uh, especially given the recent circumstances even more so so i think we love to have different scenarios play out and see what happens in which scenario uh, absolutely so that as well so uh, devang now how does uh, life in singapore so you recently shifted to singapore uh, office of bobbuck minkers is it so how so i have I've, yeah i've joined the singapore office but i've joined it remotely uh, while continue to be in kolkata um, because of the lockdown restrictions so i was planning to earlier travel on the second the second half of march uh, which is when things went from bad to worse and uh, since then i've been in kolkata working with the singapore team remotely and the singapore team as well as many of the other teams across our global offices are now working from home so uh, hoping to hoping to get to singapore and um, see things get better but for now staying at home okay so now uh, heading towards the last part of this thing so if you were to unwind a day uh, because your day would be chock a block with con calls and then modeling and uh, so many uh, ppts probably and calls again how do you unwind what's your mantra for fun and fitness so i i think um, i think that is something which is very important in in all our jobs right and so here's the thing talk about fitness and even i i have had my swings on my on the weight tracker uh, from the lows to the highs then back to the lows then again to the highs and i think fitness is definitely working towards your fitness is definitely one of a one of the great ways to unwind but not not many people can do it or not many people can do it consistently uh, and that, that's an issue so i do try and go for a jog or for a run every now and then uh, that's that's really one way to unwind but more importantly i think while staying at home for the last couple of uh, months i have also realized there are other things uh, other simple things uh, that that do help me unwind um, i have realized that having meals with someone often often does a great to unwinding rather than having meals alone and this involves breakfast lunch and dinner all the meals um, at the same time i have also realized that maa ke hath ki roti maa ke hath ki roti after a long time agar in fact uh, even in mumbai when maa ke hath ki roti nahi bhi thi maa ke hath ki roti to obviously i think without it down and even in mumbai when that luxury was not there um, having having a meal with the flatmates uh, would help unwind more than anything ever did at that point in time right just having someone to talk to when you come back or even when you are office even when you are having your dinner in office i think just having it with a colleague uh, uh, yeah. does a lot for my unwinding process at least um, similarly i think the second thing that really helps me unwind is writing and i i think it's it's a habit that many people have to write in the in a diary i don't have a diary of sorts but 
I do enjoy um, writing specific paragraphs or snippets or certain lines from any book that I am reading. So if, oh. if you would take if you would take twelve hours to read a book, it would take me a week, simply because I'll find fifty different things to write from the book in a separate uh, in a separate diary or in a separate book. Um, that oh. really does help me unwind. So Which yeah, I, I think. What are you reading now? Last book that you I read. Think, I, it's still right now, right in front of me. Finding, struggling to find time to read more and more of it. It's a, it's a book by Yuval Noah Harari, uh, Twenty One Lessons About the Twenty First Century. Show us the thing on this laptop. Sure. I think this book was gifted to me by one of the colleagues. Um, Twenty One Lessons for the Twenty First Century. Wow. Is it like a futuristic book? Uh, no, actually, uh, this particular author is an Israeli author, and uh, he has had a couple of bestsellers before this, which I absolutely loved reading. And I would recommend everyone who's watching this to read *Sapiens*, uh, which is the first book that I read from this particular author. Uh, it's it's a lovely book. He again really *Sapiens* talked about the history of human kind. Okay. And then he then he released another book, which was *Homo Deus*, uh, which I also read, which talks about the future of human kind. And when I say history and future, I, it means going back to as back as two, two and a half lakh years from now. I, and it starts from there. So it's quite an interesting read. This particular book captures the today and now of things. Oh. So it talks about 21 lessons for today, not the history, not the future. I've spoken a lot about those things in my other books. Let's talk about here and now. Oh. And that's, that's what this, this book is centered on. Fantastic. Ah, sure. So final question, Devang. Uh, so Devang, uh, now that you've seen this world, uh, a lot, a world where you've been on this side of the river where other people want to enter, what is your message to such aspirants? How do you cross the bridge? And then, yeah, what is your uh, message through this show that in case people are, so it's an attention deficit audience. One minute is a long time today. So we are probably far more than the 22 minutes that you had allotted. Your... Uh, Message to friends like Rishav, uh, who've been through your uh, highs and lows, maybe you know, some yeah, I, I, I think Rishav and I go way long back. Um, so I think both of my but I, I think great guy, great friend. Um, I, I want to thank him for introducing the two of us. Um, love the opportunity to be on this, this particular chat show. Uh, great initiative by you, by the way. And kudos to you again on that. Uh, on the on the first part of your question, uh, it, it's it's difficult to concisely put it. But I think the first two or three things which come to my mind when I think about someone who is an aspirant or CA aspirant or looking forward to uh, working in consulting or private equity or investment banking in the coming years, I think number one is in general, and this is not just for these jobs, but in general, uh, it's very important to not be not be hesitant to ask questions, not be hesitant to put yourself forward in, in situations when you wish to. And I think once that carelessness comes, and by carelessness, I do not mean taking any rash decisions, uh, but rather just just being there or asking the questions that you want to ask rather than hesitating to do so. That's one. Um, the second would be, in my experience, I've realized that in the first few weeks, months of starting anything new, be it a job, be it a career choice, be it a hobby, uh, and something like being starting a chat show as well, things will be difficult. They are bound to be. 
and think about those times as your testing times and think about it as that's the biggest hurdle you have to cross uh, it happened with me when i was with pricewaterhouse like it happened with it happened it started happening with me when i was in kota actually uh, that was the first time i i did not realize and i came back it again happened when i joined pwc at the end of second month i was like yaar bahut kaam kara rahe koi bol de ki chhod do to chhod denge but then you then you then you be at it and then you don't stop and then you keep fighting and you continue pushing and you realize that common sense and attitude if if those two things stay with you you will get through it it started it happened in bcg as well i remember in the first month i had to travel 3 months outside the city of mumbai to a factory and out of a team of seven consultants who were working on the job i was the only one who was traveling to factory and those were the first two two and a half months of my bcg and until my first feedback appraisal and review happened i was always doubting if i am doing the right thing or not and it, it was a tough time but all those instances have made me realize that it's very important to push through the first few weeks months of anything that you start with and the last thing which i already mentioned is wherever you want to reach in life your common sense your attitude is more than enough but attitude in itself is quite a big word it involves discipline determination grit passion never give up attitude being hard working and so many other things but think about it as a single word and uh, you'll realize what i'm talking about and it it's always important to make sure that in case you don't have a qualification or you don't have the right experience on the cv or you don't have the right pointer does not stop you as long as you have your attitude and your common sense with you and and i think that's something if you remember it will just push you to work hard and make sure that you reach where you want to reach absolutely yeah it's a wonderful words of advice you know you remind me of this movie fashion where priyanka chopra had once come to mumbai from a small town and somehow just couldn't like it and went back and then her father told to go back and conquer yes. that world otherwise it's going to remain a dent on you forever so for, for you like you've created this kota experience of yours into a magic moment of your life so thank you so much for being candid about that i'm sure you know people come on shows just talk about their successes the highs but to come across as a candid uh, uh, experience oh, yes. uh, I, i i remember a joke about that i i think uh, someone told me that someone was an all star a achiever everything um, cleared everything at the first go got ranks uh, superb profile the best resume one could ever have went into an interview and someone asked me what would you do if you fail in a situation i didn't know that right so that becomes quite a challenge yeah, i think yeah i think let our mistakes teach us more than our successes do yeah thank you so much uh, devang it's been a pleasure having you thank on the show thank you for uh, those who yeah so those who would want to be in touch maybe you can send him a connect request on linkedin don't pester him for getting a job in private equity uh, it takes time please. it needs a skill set but yeah no so last please, time that happened out with any questions uh, yeah i, I uh, can imagine uh, i think there are a lot of questions out there please reach out in case there are any questions i might take some time to revert but i'll definitely try to revert to as many of you as possible sure so thank you so much uh, devang thank you so much bye bye thank you anurag have a nice day stay sure. safe bye